screen, but if you have a Bible with you, join me in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. We have been being walked through this letter by our Lord, and he has been putting us into the mindset that all believers should have. We are in an environment that is hostile on every level to what it means to be a a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, a worshiper of the true and living God. We are in a hostile environment, but our God is greater than. We are in a hostile environment, and yet, just as with Israel, the manna fell. Just as with Israel, when the rock was struck, the waters flowed. God meets our needs. Though we are in a hostile, we're in a desert perhaps of one sort or another. On one level or another. He meets our needs. And the main thing that the apostle, through the power of the Holy Spirit, incites us to do is pay attention to my word, pay attention to my word, pay attention to my word. As he will say in his next letter, 2 Peter chapter 1, God has given to us precious and magnificent promises that by these we might become partakers of the divine nature as we simply do the most simple thing of You know, everybody lives according to promises. I don't care who you are. Everybody makes life decisions based on promises. Now, the unfortunate thing with the world system is those promises are all ultimately lies because they end up blowing up in your face. Read through Proverbs. One of the wealthiest men this planet has ever seen, Solomon, in his glorious house, in his, with the glorious temple, all this glory. And what does he say? All this stuff is going away. Don't depend on the stuff. Don't think that your power comes from the stuff or the declarations made to you. They come from God. Trust in him. Trust in him. Peter is repeating that same message to us. Hear his word. Walk in his word. Walk according to his outlook. And you will be stepping, you will walk in God's constant provision. The manna will be yours. The water flowing from the rock will be yours. The provision will be yours. And he will step us into kingdom glory that we don't even have a frame of reference on this planet that <laughs> leads us to the glory he's walking us into. I don't care if you ever anybody here ever been to Windsor Castle or Buckingham Palace or walked in through the Vatican. Or, I don't care. It's not going to even come close to what God is stepping us into. But let me tell you, even in heaven, we'll be looking past the stuff to the Lord himself. We will be given eyes that enable us to see the true and living God in all of his fullness, to hear his voice, to embrace him and be embraced by him. 
the God spoken of is in, of in this Bible is not some distant fellow. He is present with us. The great command of our Lord Jesus, go into all the world. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, and I will be with you. With you. And a beautiful illustration. Voice of the Martyrs. The Romanian, I can't say his name. He was in, for 14 years, he was in a Romanian dungeon. Richard Wormbrandt. I love his test. Richard Wormbrandt was a Jewish businessman in the mid-30s living a very immoral life who got confronted by the gospel and got so absolutely, totally transformed, he became a Lutheran minister. <laughs> so loyal to Jesus that in the late 1940s the communists had taken over Romania and they wanted to make sure that everybody in that nation knew that all the religious leaders were shoulder to shoulder, shoulder to shoulder with us communists backing us up. And so they created a national radio broadcast and invited all these religious leaders to come and come to the microphone so that everybody in Romania could hear that these religious leaders were with them. And just before it was Richard Wormbrandt's turn at the microphone, his wife leaned over and as these religious leaders had done what the communists said they wanted, his wife leaned into him and said, you're not going to do that, are you? And he looked at her and he said, of course not. And he went to the microphone and they couldn't turn it off. They tried. As he announced to the people of Romania who Jesus was, and no, Jesus isn't with these guys. Well, a couple weeks later, he disappeared off the streets. And for 14 years... Most of the people in Romania thought he was dead. He was in a dungeon. He was in an, under, an underground dungeon, in a line of underground dungeons. And the presence of Jesus was so heavy, was so strong, was so mighty in those dungeons that the Romanian guards, looking through the windows in the doors ripped off their insignia threw their weapons on the floor threw that's the insignias on the floor unlocked the doors stepped in reached through locked the doors and threw the keys in the hallway because they would rather be in the dungeon with Jesus and those men than outside as so-called free men and Richard Wormbrandt said there were occasions when the wall in the dungeons would begin to move and out would step Jesus and be with them. 
after 14 years, much the shock of the Romanian people, the Romanian government let him go back out onto the street. Boy, did they regret it. <laughs> Satan always does dumb stuff, by the way. That's just, you can take it to the bank. Within a month or so, he's in the United States testifying, it's about 1962, testifying to the House Committee on Un-American Activities about what's happening in that communist Romania. And here is this skeletal man. By the way, he was about six foot three, but he was skeletal when he gave that testimony because of the starvation in the dungeons. And he told the truth. And the word went around the world. And the people, the government officials in Romania, whose dumb idea was it to let that guy out? And let him go. Who's in charge? Would you rather have been in that dungeon with Richard Wormbrandt or in Ceausescu's palace, who later got lined up against the wall and shot? I'll take Richard Wormbrandt. I'll take that. That's what Peter is telling us. We have a God who is with us. Wherever we are, he is with us. And you'd rather be with D Jesus in a dungeon than in Mao's palace or Ceausescu's palace or Stalin's palace. Seeking worship. I just okay, I had no intention of saying this. This is so beautiful. Harry, after Franklin Roosevelt died, World War II wasn't ended yet. And Harry Truman, the new president, went to a conference, and it was himself, Winston Churchill, Joseph Stalin. He had his first meeting with Churchill and Stalin. And coming out of the meeting, I just love this, Harry Truman went to his advisor and said, that guy Stalin is a shrimp! Stalin was about this tall. Whenever you see pictures of Joseph Stalin, he's all by himself. If there are other people in the picture, they're way off in the distance, and he's standing. They didn't want him standing beside other people because he was a shrimp. They wanted him until, and he actually had bellow. He had balloons under his shirt, under his heavy coat, so that it looked like he had this big, mighty chest. Now everybody knows it. I just told you. <laughs> because Stalin, Mao, Hitler, they wanted, they weren't atheists. They thought they were God. The Nero of Peter's day was the same way. We walk in a hostile environment, but we have a good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not lack for anything. He walks me into the green pastures beside the still waters. He has a rod in one hand with which he beats off the predators and a shepherd's crook in the other with which he reaches in and pulls me out of the thorns I get myself stuck in. And he's going to lead me to the place where there's a banquet table. right in the presence of my enemies. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Hostile environment, but victory belongs to God's people. 
he is the victor. He is the one who accomplishes all of his purposes. And Peter has been speaking to them, encouraging them, make the word of God. He has given us precious and magnificent promises that by these we might become partakers of the divine nature. We might actually be replicas of God by the help of his Holy Spirit as we believe his divine truth. Chapter 2, verse 11, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, this is not your home. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. I'm a sojourner as sojourners and pilgrims. A pilgrim is a sojourner who has a destination. He's on his way. If he's the pilgrim of the sort that Peter is talking about, on his way to the heavenly city. And when he gets there, he will be swept into the embrace of Jesus and kingdom glory. Beloved I, beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Don't do what the world, the flesh, and the devil are tempting you to do because it will tear you up. Satan always forgets about the whole, the whole proposition. He always fails to leave out the negative, the guilt, the condemnation, the torture that comes to the soul of God's, God's man, God's woman, who makes an immoral choice. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. And what was the world of these readers? These, they're in the extremely, extraordinarily debauched Roman Mediterranean world. Everywhere their eyes turned, especially in the Gentile cities, which is most of the places, it's all about worshiping idols and sexual immorality that attended that. There were temple prostitutes, both male and female temple prostitutes. It was extremely debauched, and it would tear them up. Have your conduct honorable. Don't do that. Walk with Jesus. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, which they will, they may by your good conduct, which they observe, glorify God in the day of, his, in the day of visitation. When God comes, when God comes, what are people going to say about you? Will the people among whom you walked be able to say, wow, I know that person. I knew that man. I knew that woman. Did they ever walk with integrity? Did they pay a price for it? Yes, they paid a price for it, but they walked with integrity. They will glorify God on the day when he comes. That's what they will be saying if you are a person of integrity. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme 
or to governors as those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for, for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And who was the king? Nero. Honor Nero. Not honor Nero in his insane self-worship. You don't have to do, you don't agree with that. In fact, this same Peter would be crucified because he would refuse to worship Nero. His companion in ministry, Paul, would be beheaded because he would refuse to worship Nero. But even a Nero has a vested interest. He is the emperor. He is a king. These, these, these politicos, they have a vested interest in keeping society pretty even and safe. I mean, if a culture becomes run overrun with bandits, can't offer simple protection to its citizens, the citizens eventually are going to rise up and replace. And so even a wicked fellow like Nero or Claudius Caesar or whoever happens to be on the, the Roman throne or any other throne or any other place of authority, they have a vested interest in a society that functions reasonably well. And so keep the civil laws. Don't be a lawbreaker. The simple obedience to the Ten Commandments will keep you out of a lot of trouble. <laughs> you know, don't, don't, don't kill anybody, okay? You, don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't cheat people. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme... Or to governors as those sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. Don't be an evildoer. And for the praise of those who do good. Isn't it amazing when Jesus stood before Pilate? Why was he brought by the Jewish leadership? They wanted Pilate to have him crucified. The Romans reserved to themselves the right of execution. And Pilate's in town, <laughs> so we, we have to walk this line. While he, now, it won't be that much later they're going to drag Stephen out of the city and stone him to death. But why? Pilate's not, hand, Pilate's not around. Well, we can get away with this. But Jesus, they took to Pilate. And what did Pilate do after hearing all of their accusations and Jesus' non-answer? The only thing Jesus confessed to was, well, they say you're a king. Well, they got that right. Everything else, he was silent. And Pilate washed his hands of the guilt. He did this ritual of washing his hands. I wash my hands of the guilt of this just man, of harming this just man. And the Jewish leadership led the crowd in the chant, let his blood be upon us and on our children. But Pilate washes. He saw that Jesus was a righteous man. And so it should be with us. We should be righteous men and women. So that even 
judges who might be tilted against us will have to acknowledge this is a righteous person, a just person. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. They run out of accusations. As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. I'm going to use my liberty to be a servant, to wash the feet of other people. Instead of making them serve me, I'm going to voluntarily choose to kneel down and wash their feet, which, by the way, was the most uh, humble thing in that culture any one person could do for another, wash their feet. As free and not using, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God. Christians are free people in the way that no non-Christian... Why? We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. When you come to faith in Christ, God the Holy Spirit himself takes up residence within you so you can actually carry out the very lifestyle of Jesus. Left to yourself, you never could do that. You would never have the boldness. You'd never have the trust. But the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is the enabling reality that enables us to be Jesus imitators. And again, I'm gonna, I've, I've worn out this illustration. We've got enough, new, enough fresh ears in the, in the room with. Many years ago, I heard about some salesmen for a company up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and they went down to Chicago, Illinois, for a sales meeting for the big company they worked for. It was a nationwide company, but they had this meeting there of, of salesmen there in Chicago, and they all came down on a train to Chicago, and they had to take the train back to Milwaukee. Well, the meeting lasted longer than it was supposed to, so they're try- they still have a chance to get to the train, but they got to run. And so all these salesmen are running through the Chicago train station And as they're running through the train station, trying to get to their train, one of them hit, there was a table, uh, a bay sheet of plywood set up there. And uh, this boy was selling apples. And as they're running by, one of the guy's briefcases hit that thing, and the apples went flying everywhere. The plywood went flying. And they just all kept running. And they all got on the train in time. And the train is just about to leave. And one of the salesmen said, I can't do this. I've got to go help that boy. Well, you tell my wife I'll be on the next train. Because all their wives are going to be meeting them to pick them up. So he gets out there. And he finds out this boy is blind. And this boy is just crawling around. So he helped the boy get his saw horses back up and get the, the sheet of plywood back up and he put the good apples that he still had on the plywood and he gathered up all the bad apples and threw them away and paid the boy for the, for the apples that had been ruined. And as he's walking away, the little boy yelled out, Mister, Mister, yes, son, are you Jesus? Would you take that? I'd take that. 
all he had, but what had he done? He'd served that little boy. He could have been like the guys that decided it was just too much trouble. I have to get home first. That's more important. Being mistaken for Jesus by an act of simple service. We are free. Yet, don't use your liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God, honor all people. Nobody is to be regarded above other people. We all bear the image of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Servants. Ouch. In the Roman world, if you were a slave, you didn't belong to yourself. You literally were of no more value in the Roman world and before the Roman court system than if you were a dog, cat, cow, sheep, goat. You didn't belong to your. You were a, an item. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. I will not obey my master who has commanded me to do a wicked thing. Now, the wicked thing is not specified. It could have been any one of a long list. For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief. My conscience which has been animated and instructed by God, will not allow me to obey my master, the one who literally owns my life, can take my life without any consequence. I will obey God rather than him. For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults you take it patiently? Oh, man, I hear, Mark, that you got really whacked around a lot by your master. Well, yeah, and just because I dumped that goblet of wine all over him, and he decided, uh, okay, okay, well, uh, yeah, right, well. What credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Read through the Psalms, and you will see that fellow David, who has been called by God, anointed as a boy to be the next king, to be the next king, anointed by God to be the next king. And what's he going to do? He's going to be persecuted by Saul persecuted by Saul. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults you take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer if you take it patiently, this is commendable with God. For to this you are called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Jesus was crucified for doing good, not for doing evil, for declaring the truth, not for speaking lies. 
follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor is deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He did not threaten. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. And what was the outcome for Jesus? Having accomplished the Father's will and paid sin's penalty for each one of us so that we could be freely welcomed and forgiven by God. He's put in a tomb, and then he's taken out of that tomb, and he is elevated to the right hand of the Father. And all authority, all power in heaven and on earth is handed to him. He is the only begotten Son of God, the full heir stepping into in his inheritance. Because he, the measure of which, by which he bowed down is the measure by which he was lifted up. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live to righteousness. He didn't call us just to keep living the life we had been living. He called us to a life resembling his, a life of righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For, when, for you were like sheep going astray and have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls you were like sheep going astray and he has brought you into his fold remember that account of Jesus the, of the shepherd with 99 in his fold and one is missing and he went out and found that sheep and brought it home on his shoulders rejoicing that is your testimony that is my testimony. That is how it has always been for every single every single citizen of the kingdom has been a, sh a sheep. He tracked down. You're not here because you're, you're, you're not in God's kingdom because you were a little bit smarter, a little more insightful. No. You are here because God gave you understanding, light, and life. You were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Lord Jesus, you are shepherding, you are shepherding KK. You are shepherding David Rago. You've given David a heart of compassion we are asking again for KK that you will cleanse her of what has her in that wheelchair cleanse her of it make a name for yourself in this and shepherd us shepherd us just as Peter describes make us aware of the reality that you are our shepherd the one who oversees, who is on the lookout, who is on the watch, 
on behalf of our souls. We ask that you'd enable us to walk in this reality this week as our trust in you, as your declarations are challenged. We ask that we will, by the help of your Holy Spirit, stand steadfast in your self-declarations and your promises. We ask this of you, Good Shepherd Jesus. And all God's people said, we have a do not move. We have a event that has been planned that is a surprise to some. All right, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand.